1: Happy President's Day and welcome to my 344th ever show of all-around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Which comes to me through my website at IIRSportsOneWord.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call in expert, AP Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week was the compelling ending to the Genesis Golf Tournament last evening at Riviera country club in Los Angeles and right off the bat it was great to be able to watch golf deep into the night given all the rain they had and had to push back basically rounds one two and three and it all led to uh watching golf at eight o'clock eastern on a Sunday night which was awesome uh and it was great theater As the wind and the cold at times simply humbled the world's best golfers, especially the leader, Justin Thomas, and his three-putt midway through his final nine on, I think, 15. Uh, He was dueling it out with J.B. Holmes, and it was just uh, spectacular viewing given It was a very, very cold day in LA and then wind gusts up to like 30 miles an hour. So it was just wreaking havoc with the golf course and the players in general. Uh, On that 15th hole, I believe it was, uh, Justin Thomas gave up three strokes when he missed two putts from basically inside four or five feet And J.B. Holmes had a nice birdie and he went from uh, two down to one up in the span of a couple of minutes. So it was just uh, spectacular to watch. Um, It's not often that you just see these guys uh, brought to their knees by playing conditions. More often you see it due to the course, and this course is a tough one, to say the least, the famed 18th, uh, with the theater setting uh, very similar to the Travelers uh, Championship each year in Connecticut, where it's basically, the green is surrounded by a hillside, which is just packed with fans. So it just, uh, it's a theater setting that creates great theater. And the back nine was just simply uh, awesome to watch as they, again, battled the elements in addition to each other. You had Rory McElroy lurking. You had uh, Siwoo Kim in the clubhouse, just a couple shots behind. So if they faltered even worse than they had, uh, he was still sitting out there. And you had Adam Scott playing with J.B. Holmes and uh justin thomas so a great threesome and uh adam scott was uh in the hunt shall we say up until the final few holes so it was really uh just terrific terrific viewing and again just the best part of it was simply uh bonus golf going uh deep into the night here on the east coast as a snowstorm approached and uh it was just nice to be nestled inside, and you got to love the West Coast golf. It reminded me a little bit of uh, when the U.S. Open was out of Chambers Bay in Washington State a few years back when basically it was on every night till like 10 o'clock at night, and it was just awesome. That's the one, of course, where Jordan Spieth beat Dustin Johnson at the end, so that was also very compelling. And sticking with golf, my bizarre story of the week is the Matt Kuchar situation, it's literally just now taken on a life of its own. I think probably most of you know the story where he won $1.2 million down in Mexico in November, paid his caddy an agreed-upon rate previous to the tournament, a fill-in caddy, I might add, 5000 But it all changed, which he paid, and then it all changed when he won the tournament again 1.2 million but it was a fill-in caddy and uh typically caddies often receive 10% when a player wins a tournament now we're talking uh 50,000 so Matt Kuchar really came under fire big time for that once the story surfaced and i believe it came out because the caddy spoke up about it and then uh, the next day, after the story broke, Matt Kuchar uh, simply made for him some clueless comments. And it made matters worse. And then he ultimately agreed late last week to pay him the 50000 But then watching over the weekend, that didn't get him off the hook. Because for the first time ever, he was booed at Riviera. I happened to watch one particular tee shot where he was introduced to the crowd, uh, as in uh, opening his round. uh, And the boos were were real and were loud. And Matt Kuchar has always been an interesting case in that he's been beloved, hasn't won a major, uh, but always, always really uh, supported by the galleries. Uh, We've all heard the chants of cooch, cooch many times over the years and so it was the first time i ever heard him booed and this was after this was just over the weekend this was after he agreed to pay the fifty thousand. so it just creates an interesting scenario where you have to wonder uh you know if he's ever going to recover from this again he, he has been just beloved known to be a super super nice guy good family man practical joker always liked by his uh his peers, and but he was just universally derided, both uh, you know by people within the golf community, Twitter of course, and everything else. And you know, finally gave in and again paid the money, and even on top of it, pledged a contribution to charity down in Mexico as well. But it really is fascinating to see. If he's going to be able to come out on the other side of this, because uh, even after all that, uh, he got booed over the weekend. It's the first time I've ever heard him booed. So fascinating scenario, to say the least. Well, my low light of the week is how the Anthony Davis trade demand from the New Orleans Pelicans uh, played out over the past week and really over the last couple weeks, its effect on the trading deadline, the Lakers apparently offering package after package, uh, which created consternation with Laker players' names being banded about as trade bait, and uh, and really has just turned into kind of a big mess, and it really spilled into All-Star Weekend in Charlotte, North Carolina, no surprise. Uh, the GM was fired, uh, late last week, Anthony Davis left the game with an injury and left the arena with his agent that created, uh, some controversy as well. I think that was last Thursday evening and it's really, uh, turned into a big mess where he basically, uh, it's a big topic up here in Boston because the Celtics are viewed as a front runner with all that they could offer. Uh, but the word was that his father said he wouldn't go to Boston because of how Isaiah Thomas was treated. Um, but then yes, the other day, I think Saturday in a press conference, he said all 29 teams are on his radar. And, uh, and then you throw in the injury factor from the other night, Thursday night and him leaving the arena and it's really, again, just turned into like a big mess. And it's Mike Greenberg on Get Up This Morning on ESPN really made a great point by saying that, you know, he doesn't ever remember seeing a player under contract just constantly talking about playing for other teams. And he's right, it's a really good point that he's making. And uh, and it's just been interesting to watch. It's going to be more interesting. It's clearly the storyline uh, of the year at this point because he's such a great player and bears watching. And it's now he, he cannot be traded until after the season ends. So this is going to go on for the next few months. Of course, there's always a, a Celtics or a Boston sports angle. And this, of course, was uh, Kyrie... Didn't play the last two games, but he did start the all-star game and played last night. And the game, as always, was an offensive fireworks show. Uh, No surprise, Steph Curry, playing in his hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, Uh, maybe had the play of the night with a spectacular bounce pass uh, that went high in the air above the rim, bounced it off the floor, leading to a dunk, brought the house down. And uh, so, again uh great theater and uh really really fun to watch uh it's a great show the introductions uh the national anthems both canada and the u.s are always uh again great theater so now let's take our break and next up will be our weekly call-in expert ap Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers alabama football and many other sports as well so don't go anywhere
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking
3: for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies Handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.
2: Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time.
0: now back to the
1: show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at iir at And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us and AP how you doing today
4: hey John very well thank you thank you for having me on the show
1: oh thank you for joining us as always and uh, so I was talking at the end of the first segment about the all-star game held this weekend in Charlotte North Carolina and uh, you know talked about the game itself and whatnot uh, but I didn't get a chance to really talk about the Three-point shooting contest on Saturday night, uh, the dunk contest, the skills contest, uh, all pretty interesting stuff, as always. First and foremost, Jason Tatum from the Celtics, um, based up here in Boston, won the skills contest by basically uh, hitting a 40-foot shot uh, to beat Trey Young in that. So that was pretty interesting, and that led right into... The uh, three-point shooting contest, which Steph Curry did not win. That's the news. <laughs> and Joe Harris, I <laughs> believe it is, won it. Yeah,
4: in other words, he you saw Steph Curry hit that first 10, and you're thinking, right. it's over.
1: In that final round, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I had a passing thought that, like, maybe uh, – you know, wouldn't it be something right before he started shooting? Like, wouldn't it be something if he hit them all? And you, you, there's no other player in the world, this side of Larry Bird, that he might have said that about or had that passing thought. <laughs> and boy, when he hit the first 10, I was like sat up in my chair and was like, oh, my gosh. And then to have him not win after making the the first 10 in a row on his final uh, one-on-one with Joe Harris from uh, the, New Jer- the New York Nets. uh was rather shocking, especially in Steph's hometown, but it was good stuff, AP. I I really enjoyed it, Uh, you know, and then we had the dunk contest and like I had uh, from the Oklahoma City Thunder had a great dunk to win it all where he went up and he basically leaped over Shaq, Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal and then he hung on the rim with his elbow for what seemed like forever, a la Vince Carter. So, oh, in all I, I thought it you know—it turned out pretty well. Uh, it, it's arguably more entertaining than the All-Star game itself. These these skills contests on Saturday night—that's for sure.
4: Yeah, yeah, probably so. I always like to watch the three-point uh, contest myself. That's always yes. interesting to find out who's going to perform in the clutch, and you have to uh, come away to tell your your kids and your grandkids you beat Steph Curry. That's that's pretty significant.
1: Very, very significant. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was great stuff. And yeah, be- beating Steph Curry, especially again, you can't overstate this enough, in-, in his hometown is pretty cool. Uh, not something that is routinely done, shall we say. And, uh, so yeah, so it was really, uh, really entertaining. The town of Charlotte clearly, uh, you know, turned out big time for it. Um, it was a happening, and it was just a lot of fun to watch in the game last night. Uh, you know, the intros and all that are always uh, very interesting. Needless to say, as are uh, you know, even the national anthems. I mean, it's really all about the entertainment and LeBron's team and Giannis's team, all that. So. Pretty good stuff. And AP, I don't know if you saw the, uh, that bounce pass by Steph Curry, where it basically shot like 15 feet in the air. He just slammed as hard as he could against the floor. And as only he can do, it, of course, found itself to be perfectly positioned above the rim for a super slam dunk, and, and it was just awesome. It brought the house down.
4: <laughs> well, you're one of the best assist men in the, in the league, and it, it doesn't uh, surprise me that he threw that pass.
1: Correct, correct. Yeah, this was different, no doubt about it. And AP, you're an SEC man. Uh, Cover SEC football and basketball, of course. What has just dominated the talk in recent weeks and certainly filtered right into All-Star Weekend is Anthony Davis. Uh, And again, he plays down south, not all that far from you. He plays for the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. And... You know, I I think it's just become the mega story and has continued beyond the fact, you know, the Lakers and nobody else got him before the trade deadline. The GM was fired. He Anthony Davis left the game with an injury and then left the arena immediately with his agent, Rich Paul. Uh, So crazy couple days down there in New Orleans. And and then he talks over the weekends, big news up here in Boston because, you know, because the Celtics would apparently have the best package to offer. And after his father said he wouldn't go to the Celtics because of the way they <laughs> treated Isaiah Thomas, then he comes out and says he'll play for any one of the 29 teams, which obviously includes the Celtics. So it's pretty crazy, AP. What's the word from the South, given you know his Kentucky connection, SEC, plays in New Orleans? Uh, not a pretty picture.
4: No, not everybody's not very happy with the scenario. And then, when you have these conflicting statements, John, from different family members, it just clouds the issue even further. And but obviously, he doesn't want to stay in New Orleans, and uh, that's too bad because uh, you know he could help them be a better team, of course. But you know, when you don't want somebody on, somebody doesn't want to be on your team, there's not much you can do. You can just make the best of a bad situation.
1: Right. And, you know, I, I mentioned this in the first segment. I'll mention it again. You know, Mike Greenberg on his Get Up show on ESPN this today really made just such a great point, I thought, where he basically said he doesn't recall seeing anything quite like this before, where a player under contract, for sure, till the end of the season, he can't be traded now, uh, under contract is... Just openly talking about playing for other teams, and yeah, I think he makes a great point because it's not something I really remember. And we're not just talking any player; we're talking a super high-profile player, uh, top five in the NBA for sure. And you know, when you mix everything in, you know, over and above that, you know, that, him talking about it in the press conference on Saturday again, saying he'd play for any of the twenty-nine teams. Uh, You know, you couple that with him leaving the game with an injury, leaving the arena, his father, GM getting fired. You're really looking at a pretty, pretty messy situation where the upshot of the whole thing for now is the Pelicans season feels like it's being torpedoed.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And And then you see, did he play in the game yesterday?
1: Right, exactly. That's the best point of all. He played in the game. And it's identical almost to the situation with Kyrie Irving, a topic of hot, hot, hot debate up here in Boston last week where he Kyrie tweaked his knee, did not play in the final two games last week preceding the all star break, but like Anthony Davis, there he was last night in the starting lineup. And, you know, I get it. I mean, you know, it's a grand stage and They want to be recognized among their peers. But, boy, it was, again, a hot topic of debate uh, up here in Boston. And the consensus was, as you would expect, with provincial Boston fans, obviously, that he shouldn't play. You know, at minimum, a bad look.
4: You know, that's a tough town. I mean, and those people, you know, bad weather, they they go to work every day, you know. And uh, when you have somebody that doesn't play in the regular season game, then you show up. On the big stage, I mean, I know they've they're taken aback by by such a scenario. It just doesn't play well in front of the fans. You don't win any bonus points.
1: Correct. I mean, again, at best, it's a bad look. At worst, he could re-injure the knee, and the All-Star game's a little weird this week, this year. It feels, at least that. The season is two-thirds over. There's only something that sounds like 25 games left for most teams or thereabouts. So, you know, you come out of the all-star break and you're coming down the home stretch now. And it's playoff seating and positioning and jockeying. And, um, you know, you you can't, you, you, you know, from the Boston point of view, you need to have Kyrie healthy for every single game because uh, they're really, you know, kind of up against it. In needing to get in position for the postseason, um, last year they had a gigantic advantage. They they couldn't cash in, but you know, the Eastern Conference Finals Game Seven was here. Unfortunately, it was against LeBron James, so it didn't play out well. But you know, you know, but they did have Game right. Seven at home in the Eastern Conference Finals because they were the number one seed. Uh, right now, they're behind the Raptors and the Bucks. Uh, so you, you know, they could be at a severe disadvantage. I mean, you know, they, they need that home court advantage, especially given the uneven year they've had. So, uh, so yeah, AP, it's, uh, you know, NBA players are different. It's really just a star system. No surprise. We we've all known that forever. You only have five players and you put in an Anthony Davis uh or or a Kyrie Irving with his unique talents. And, you know, one player can make all the difference. Period. Um so you you know, they, they they're 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 in a strong position, to put it mildly. Uh it's a players league. Well, how else you can't say it any better than that.
4: Absolutely, and I don't I don't think anyone really knows about Anthony Davis. Uh, it's one That's of correct. these situations where he might Come to the podium after he signed and say, "You know, God told me to sign with this particular team." One of those, one of those type of deals. I, I could see that happening.
1: Right, and the surprising thing a, about it all. Go ahead, AP.
4: No, I'm just saying, I, and it just so happens that that team was
1: going to pay him the most money. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Well, the, the the surprising thing of it all is, and you would know this better than me. He's always just been like a quiet guy. You know what I'm saying? He's just kind of been yeah. a guy who you know, won the national championship his freshman year, if I'm not mistaken, like all Kentucky and many other schools, especially Duke nowadays. You know, one and done with a national championship. And he's just been a quiet guy who goes about his business and does his work. So for him to be the guy, you know, in the middle of all this t- makes it even doubly surprising, I think.
4: Yeah, it is, and then you get these statements where he's saying, "I didn't give New Orleans a list, and the list was reported, and then, and it's all twenty nine teams are on the list." So it, it, it's it's about as as to says, "It's about as clear as mud." <laughs>
1: right, right. Very well said, <laughs> as always, AP. Uh, yeah, it's just it's there's no other word. It's it's messy. It's been messy it's not just new orleans you, you know the the it appears they've had an effect during that the days leading up to the trade deadline with obviously the lakers apparently offering package after package which meant basically everybody on the team was you know a potential trade bait uh, which seemed to have caused you know morale issues they lost you know by like 42 points <laughs> I think a day or two before the trade <laughs> deadline you know messy 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 all around and not just confined to one team just closing thought before we go to our break AP you can't imagine that the team uh, the league excuse me and Adam Silver are too happy about this this is not you the way you want your sports league to be going
4: no because his comments they affect the rest of the players that you just stated when they lost by 42 points so you like to see these things managed in in a way that uh it's respectful to all
1: sides correct exactly right yes and we're and what we just referenced is the other team, not even the pelicans we're talking about the Lakers who were going after <laughs> him in a hot pursuit uh you know it just goes without saying the effect on the uh on the pelicans is just simply immense so you, throw, you, you you put that together with Chris Paul, you know, situation of a few years back when he was traded to the Lakers, I believe, and nullified by David Stern, then commissioner, ended up with the Clippers. But bottom line, you have to imagine that New Orleans basketball fans are not a happy crew right now.
4: No, they seem to get abused by the commissioner and the rest of the <laughs> league.
1: Right, right. Uh, abused would be a good word well AP hard to believe we've already come to the end of our first break Uh, still have a lot more to get to and we'll do so on the other side
2: For Outside the Huddle, on the Voice America Sports Channel.
3: Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
0: Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And, A.P., we were talking some NBA All-Star Game weekend and beyond at the end of the previous segment. But there's also uh, – we're getting uh, – down down to it here with college basketball. March Madness is obviously just right around the corner. And uh, interesting game over the weekend, AP, where Kentucky, and again, you cover the SEC and Alabama basketball, and Kentucky just absolutely demolished uh, Tennessee, as in number one ranked Tennessee in Lexington. And just... Uh, you know, put it to them from the opening tap, and and one going away, and so Kentucky, as always it seems, with their one and done freshman laden team, is suddenly a Final Four favorite after that performance. It was impressive.
4: It really was, John, because Tennessee had lost just one game and zero in the conference. And I think, John, when you watch the teams play, some sometimes it's a matter of the matchups, and I think. Kentucky slightly bigger. I think that gave Tennessee some problems. I think that was the reason they were able to win the game. I mean, I think it would be, you know, by 17 points, but I thought they might have a slight edge, plus they were playing at home, and then Tennessee will have a chance to host Kentucky near the end of the season here, coming up pretty soon.
1: Exactly, exactly. Uh, Yeah, yeah, they, uh, you know, Kentucky, uh, you got got to give John Calipari a lot of credit. Number one, he was ahead of the game. He was the first out. Took a lot of criticism as far as one-and-done freshman. And, you know, I always liked his philosophy, you know, which was basically he felt his job was to 2 pronged: win at Kentucky, but also, you know, prepare these guys to be drafted early by the NBA uh, for them and their families and – now, a lot of schools have certainly come around, but most notably Duke uh, and Mike Krzyzewski, uh never more so than this year with that fabulous freshman class he has, led, of course, by Zion Williamson. And, uh, but now it's a thing. But anyway, John Calipari, you know, he, he reminds me a little bit of Belichick in that he, you know, develops the team throughout the season. They often don't look so good in the first, you know, part of the season, but boy, by the time you get into this February time frame and heading into March, you know, they're always playing great. They're always in the mix and on to the NCAAs where, you know, they're always given a chance to win it, period, which is, you know, with basically a mostly, if not exclusively, freshman team. It's, it's pretty impressive, yeah. I think.
4: Yeah, it is, John, because, like as you said, you, you bring in all these hot shot freshmen, they have to... Have some chemistry. Basketball is a sport of chemistry, and uh, because you only have five people participating at once, and as you said, every year John Calipari gets his team to peak and to have a chance to be in the final four. And you know, Sweet Sixteen is the, probably the bare minimum for a team like Kentucky, and,
1: oh, yeah. and even maybe
4: the, the, the final, you know, the the final eight, let's say. But he gets his teams to play hard they don't get beat up too much of course of course i guess that first their early game was against uh duke where they got hammered by about 30 i guess it was but uh right i think from, that was the from opening here game here yeah from here on out i wouldn't want to be playing kentucky
1: correct correct uh yeah again they they're they're right where they always seem to be uh by mid-february it's just that simple and uh but ap you know a team that you cover locally to you uh and a team whose basketball fortunes have been rising year by year uh for a while now uh, alabama of course the crimson tide and uh how are they looking these days
4: yeah, John, you know, they struggled last week. They had two big losses. They were on the road against Mississippi State. who will probably make the tournament, I think, under Ben Howland. He's built that program back up. And they lost by 19 on the road. Then they came back to play Florida, who's trying to make the NCAA tournament. And Florida's a team that uh, one of the best defensively, uh, statistically, in the league, and they scored 71 against Alabama. Normally, normally they score 60, and they held Alabama at home in Tuscaloosa at 53 points. So it was a very bad loss for Alabama back-to-back to, to lose by 19 and 18. They had four players in particular, John, for Alabama, scored nine points. I mean, uh, Riley Norris, Dayson Ingram, Herb Jones, uh, and uh, – uh Teb and Mac they scored nine points between them that 's just not enough to to no. win a college basketball game and those all those four players are expected Ooh. to contribute. uh Riley Norris had a great game against Vanderbilt uh, last Saturday on the road where he scored I think the last nine points and then to come up with zero um, something's not right with that team when you have four players that are supposed to be scorers and you're playing at home and you're you're against a conference team and do you know that uh florida has beaten alabama uh it was eight out of the last 10 times they get nine out of the last 11 right now
1: wow the gators Gators. the gators
4: yeah they the gators on alabama yeah so it doesn't look pretty and Alabama this week plays Texas A&M, who's 3-9 and nine in the conference, and they came to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. That's a bad loss. And uh, then they play Vanderbilt at home in Tuscaloosa. Vanderbilt has not won a conference game, so they need to win these two games. If they lose either one of these games, I don't know if Alabama can recover.
1: To make the NCAA tournament.
4: So to make the tournament, yeah, it's going to be difficult because that means you have lost to a team with a losing record twice, and then right. to, if you lose to Venable, let's
1: say Venable hasn't won a conference game. Yeah, that is not viewed kindly by the committee. That's for sure. Uh, you know, it's really all about, you know, who have you beaten? Who who who'd you lose to? Uh, you know, very much like the college football playoff. And, of course, the basketball committee are the ones who invented it. Uh, the college football playoff committee basically has followed uh, their philosophy in many ways, uh, given the, you know, recognition of, again, who'd you beat and who'd you lose to. So you can't overstate the importance of that. And APA, uh, you know, given the fervor uh, for Alabama football, how is, you know, the basketball team viewed down there? Is it because, uh, again, they've just year by year, you know, have been building that program, to say the least.
4: Yeah, I mean everybody was excited when Avery Johnson was hired. I think it was outside the box for a program like Alabama, and he gets a good salary. I, I can't remember the exact number, but he makes quite a bit of money coaching at Alabama. I mean they opened the coffers for him, and they had the NCAA tournament last year, won the game against Virginia Tech, and then lost to the eventual champion Villanova. Um, but. This is really taking a step in the other direction, the wrong direction, really, because uh, this season they lost to Central Florida for the second year in a row. They lost to a Georgia State team at home. I think they were ahead by 20, ended up losing by a couple points. I mean, when you lose to a team like Georgia State, I mean, there's not one player on that team that uh, I think Avery Johnson had in mind to recruit. So that's not a good look. Uh You know, you lose some games at home like against Texas A&M. You lose to Florida at home. Uh, You get hammered on the road against your rival Auburn by about 20. So this basketball team has a lot of uh, issues, and they have not performed well. They, you know, Avery Johnson, he recruited some good players, but they don't seem to develop right now, uh, except one, Dante Hall, through the last three years. He's developed from a free-throw shooter, John. Uh, he was in the 40%, 40-something percent. He's now 70-something percent. I don't think I've seen that by a player at all the time I've been watching basketball to improve by 30% from a free-throw line.
1: Right, right.
4: He's scoring double-digit points. And he first arrived on the scene. He was probably in the bottom 10 percentile when I watched him as a high school senior. I just he didn't have much of an offensive game or post moves. And but now he's respectable, scoring double digits, and he's a good rebounder, and shot blocker. But there's some other players that need to be better and play better, and it hasn't happened this year for Alabama. Correct,
1: correct. 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 And then there's always Duke out there. AP. I mean, they're they've just been pretty much must-see TV since. Uh, demolishing Kentucky as you referenced earlier in the opening game of the year out there in Chicago and uh, and ever since that day was Zion Williamson and the other tremendous freshman uh, again must see TV and Zion Williamson is just a truly a human highlight film um, and fascinating player to watch maybe the best combination of you know size, and athletic ability feels like that we've ever seen, at least at the college level, and it just seems like a lock that's going to translate to the pros, right? The NBA?
4: Yeah, yeah, very strong player, left-handed, it's always difficult, John, to guard somebody who's without Paul. For some reason, you know, you're just not used to to uh, you know, moving your feet that direction. But one thing about Duke and uh, Coach K's teams—they always play hard with a lot of effort. You know, it's rarely did you see them have a game where they're flat. Where at Alabama on Saturday, Avery Johnson was talking about effort, and that that is not a good sign when the head coach of a major university in a big Power Five conference has to mention the word effort. That that's that's just disrespectful to the game, to all the fans. I mean, uh, it's really a, a sad a sad situation for a coach.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And uh, yeah, his comments were notable. That's for sure. And he's an even-keeled guy, generally speaking. So for him to be saying that even, uh, you know, is a little more interesting, shall we say. And AP, uh, here we are at the end of our second segment together. So why don't we take our final break and still a few more things to get to on the other side.
3: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. self-improvement career advice and a variety of other topics check us out today you're sure to find something of interest voice america variety talk on today's hot topics
2: are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports if so tune in to the mike abadir show it's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time
3: on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is Boston Celtics at Milwaukee Bucks this Thursday night at 8 p.m. It's the uh, first game out of the box after the All-Star break. Uh, We talked earlier about this. The Celtics are behind both the Raptors and the Bucks. Uh, everybody's been waiting all year for them to make their move, and honestly, it feels like it needs to start this Thursday night in Milwaukee. Uh, if they can get this this game on the road against the team ahead of them, uh, that could set the tone for the last uh, 25 or so games as they jockey for playoff positioning in the now LeBronless East Eastern Division. And AP, we're going to stick with basketball. We've been hitting it pretty hard today, and it's fun to do because it's been a while. Um, but you mentioned uh, another interesting development over the weekend. There's so much goes on around the All-Star break, tough to keep it all all straight. But yeah, they elected uh, or nominated their uh, Hall of Fame finalists. And it's an interesting list, wouldn't you say, as always? Oh,
4: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, John. It sure is, you know, some. Recognizable people, of course. Uh, uh, referees in there. Uh, Bill Fitch, the uh, noted NBA coach. Uh, Marcus Johnson, Bobby Jones, a great defensive player. Uh, Jack Sikma, Sidney Moncrief, Eddie Sutton. So, yeah, it's quite a list.
1: Yes, absolutely. And someone who uh, caught my eye was Paul Westfall. Uh yes. Great player, someone that I personally really liked as a kid growing up, and of course we always all remember his performance in the famous triple overtime loss to the Boston Celtics in the mid seventies uh, at the bo- at the old Boston Garden, and uh, you know, interesting how he, so he's one of those rare athletes, AP, who uh, you know, kind of like Nathan Avaldi with that performance in the 18-inning game in the World Series last year, who makes a bigger name for himself in a loss than in a win and is basically remembered for that. I mean, when I think of Paul Westphal, as great as he was for the Phoenix Suns and, other, and others over the years, I, I always associate him with that fabulous triple overtime game, maybe the greatest game in NBA history, period.
4: Yeah, I remember that was a Friday night game, triple yep. overtime. Gar Heard had a shot to to tie the game, and Westfall had that spinning move for a, a like a layup. I remember that play in particular. And the first time I recall Paul Westfall when he was at USC, and they had right. a season, I believe, when he was a senior, possibly, where they were they won every game except I think they lost to UCLA twice. So those are the days when you couldn't be in the tournament. So imagine that, John. You're undefeated your entire season, and you lose just twice to UCLA. And uh, they probably went to the NIT. uh, I don't recall exactly, but I remember watching him, and he was was a good player.
1: Yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just sticking with that theme, and not in any way to sound critical, uh, but Chris Weber, now an announcer, but, of course, a great player, Fab Five at Michigan. Who's remembered for an ignominious moment as well, calling the timeout when they didn't have one uh, in the national championship game. And again, Chris Weber, is potentially, de- certainly a deserving Hall of Fame nominee, finalist, but again, will always be associated with that uh, calling of the timeout that, again, they didn't have one, so it would, uh, was a technical. And, uh, so yeah it's just interesting how uh the certain moments define certain players good and bad to say the least and uh but yeah, you know jack sigma uh that one caught my eye because yeah. we I think we all loved the Seattle supersonics and that team that uh y- you know went to the finals against i believe the the at the time the the Washington bullets if i'm not mistaken tough to keep that all straight but i think it was
4: back to back john i think that was back to back
1: back to back yes yes they won one didn't they
4: they won one and then washington
1: won correct and that was washington with wes unseld and gus johnson but uh it was also that seattle team that had a guy that we all just loved we were at that age in our early 20s gus williams remember him
4: Absolutely, from uh, Mount Vernon, New York.
1: Yeah, instant. I mean, I, when I when I think of instant office offense, I think of him. Like the original, original off the bench instant offense. We just loved oh, he, him, to say the least. Yes, and yet he, he was a USC player as well, John. Yes, that's right. That's right. right. But Jackson was great. US.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and Jack hey, from
1: yeah. USC. Uh,
4: yeah, Gus Williams USC and then Jack Sigma from with it, Illinois Wesleyan.
1: Correct. And he, and he, <laughs> yeah. And Jack Sigma was, you know, he was the most famous player on that team. Period. He was just you know, uh, we talk a lot about, you know, how to me to be in the household to be in the ho- any hall of fame, you just need to be a household name, period where non sports fans generally recognize your name. Uh, oh, or yeah. your look. Or, or what you look oh, like. Yeah. And Jack Sigma certainly qualifies there.
4: Oh, yeah. He had that unique shot over his head with the, the elbow in your face. Right. And, blonde uh, hair. J- blonde hair. You know, yeah. small school. John, you know what's interesting on this list is the fact that Ben Wallace, he's from a small town in Alabama, he's nominated along with Bobby Jones. And they're both defensive-type players. And I think they're they were both four or five time all stars scores they were on the all defensive team every year defensive player of the year, so that'll be interesting how those votes separate because if you're you want to vote for somebody with that type of game it, are they going to split the vote with Ben Wallace and Bobby Jones?
1: exactly a p yeah, um right, both known for their defense. Bobby Jones, of course, played a pivotal role in the fabulous. Celtics, Sixers, games in the 1980s. Uh, you know, they were just legendary, needless to say. And Bobby Jones was a key player in, in those games. Uh, you know, he used to take on uh, none other than, you know, Larry Bird. Uh, and did as basically as good a job as any, the side of Michael Cooper. in you know, yeah. slowing yeah. Bird down. Nobody stopped him, but some... <laughs> Probably Bobby well, Jones and Michael Cooper were the best at, at least, sl- slowing him down a bit.
4: No, and uh, yeah, Marcus Johnson. We all remember him at UCLA, yeah, and he was UCLA, on that, of He was on the last. Yeah, he was on the last team that um, John Wooden won. They had that championship. Uh, they beat Kentucky in 1975.
0: Right, Steve Patterson. A- uh, Steve that- that Patterson and team- Curtis. Steve Patterson and Curtis no, that, Rowe were the was other two. That was a little two. bit after
4: that. That, that. that was a little bit after that, but I think uh, Marcus was a freshman on that team. Or a, you know, he was a young player, but he was a key. Uh, he, had a, he had a key role in those championships. They won that game in San Diego. They played in Kentucky and uh, Kevin kept Kevin Grevy and uh, uh, Phillips and Rick Roby were the big men. And and uh, but they were able to John was able to win his last game. and That was his tenth championship.
1: Yep, that was special stuff there, AP, and hard to believe we're here at the end of the show. Thank you so much. Great to talk basketball. It feels like it's been a while, but now's the time, so we're gearing up, and it's going to be fun. And uh, AP, thanks as always for calling in and for your great perspective.
4: Hey, thank you so much, Sean, for having me on the show.
1: Thank you again, AP, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon,